0: Hello, Welcome to firesidefilemaker.com, a podcast with John Mark Osborne and Michael Rashad. This is part two of these are a few of our favorite things.
1: Okay, so Filemaker Pro 9.0. Two features I pointed out I thought were earth-shattering and game changers. First one is the auto resize. It's the
0: I hate it with a passion.
1: Wow. So, well, it, can I first say what I want to say, and then you can chime in and tell us why? Okay. Yeah, of okay. Course. I just want to make sure. <laughs> wow. You, that's you know you 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 don't you don't heartily dislike it. You hate it, right?
0: Yeah. Absolutely detest it.
1: Okay. Detest it. Okay. Well I just want to make sure we're clear on where we're at. I absolutely love it. Absolutely love it. Let's make sure we understand whatever. Make sure everybody understands what this feature is. This is the feature that allows you to tell an object to grow or stay or move by anchoring the different areas and so for me what's great about it is i can design a solution a window size for the minimum size for my client because i will go around when i first start with a with a, a client i say okay tell me what kind of computers you have and tell me all the resolutions so i don't design a screen that's not going to fit on that you know monitor and then for people who have bigger monitors, I allowed the odd resize. So the common example would be a portal or a, a notes field. That notes field will expand and fill up more space as the window gets bigger. Other f- objects, of course, will stay the same size. But for me, that makes an unbelievable difference in my solutions. It makes them more professional looking rather than what would happen is that if I resize the window without that, there'd just be a bunch of blank space on the bottom and the right side.
0: As I said, I hate it well, because I design um so with Nautilus, for example, because that's my sort of the ultimate thing for me. I design the screen so that they will fit on any monitor without scrolling up or down left or right, and I've got that screen and I've got it as large as I can possibly get to work within a single within any monitor. And I've got plenty of room to have everything sized properly and positioned correctly. And I don't want objects to be anchored other than to the, to the left top, left and top, you know, left and top. And I think that a lot of the time when you resize objects, first of all, it's tricky to get it right. But secondly, it can lead to some really ugly screens you're making fields bigger than they need to be. Uh, I just don't see any benefit of it. And I know that people love it. I know you love it. I absolutely detest it. If, if farm said to me, can we're going to give you a wish, would you, what would you like to get rid of? And I would say auto resize, please get rid of it.
1: I can't disagree with sometimes you can make your interface look a little bit ugly. Like for instance, maybe, uh, you have a field and then a portal and you want the portal to grow and you think, oh, well, I might as well make the field grow too. And then what happens is you tell it to grow, you know, up from the, to the right side, follow the right side, anchor it to the right side and you grow it. And you have got this field that's, you know, enormously big and, but you're only typing in, let's say a first name or something like that. And so it can get ugly and make things kind of, uh, out of, um, What's the word I'm looking for? Make them, proportion. yeah, out of proportion. Yeah, and and you got to be careful with it. But for me, the benefits of making a portal have more rows, or making the rows in the portal bigger, or making a web viewer bigger based on the screen resize. Uh, it, it's it's it it is perfect for me, even though it's an imperfect feature um in if you don't use it correctly so i can't disagree with you but i think i'm gonna have to get you to come to the the good side of things and get you to use auto resize no not
0: gonna happen
1: okay so let's talk about the second feature and don't anybody out there listening disagree with me right when i say this because it's it's not the feature it's what it promoted so the next feature that I think was earth shattering in FileMaker Pro 9.0, other than auto resize, and I know the you know, Michael doesn't agree with that, but maybe he'll agree with this one. I don't know. We'll see. Is that feature is conditional formatting. And if you know what conditional formatting is, it allows you to put a calculation on top of an object and have it change that object. So you could dim the text on a button if you wanted to, or or who knows what you could do. But the reason why I think it's earth shattering is not because it does that. I don't use it that often. It, it is very helpful. And I'm, I'm sure that, uh, that Michael has a couple of examples that can tell you where it's useful. But the reason I think it's useful is it because it began the uncluttering of calculation fields and managed database. Let me explain that. FileMaker since 9.0 and possibly even earlier has been on a campaign to unclutter managed database. We don't want everything in there. If anybody remembers back when you had to put a phone filter calculation field on top of a regular field in order to get it to filter when auto enter calculation with that option we talked about that came out in 6.0, that had prevented us from having to have the regular field with the calculation field on top. Pretty cool stuff. Well, this is where, so they really started back in 6.0. They recognized an issue that everybody was doing things with calculations. So they had to expand where the calculation engine was. So they started out with conditional formatting. They they went on to other features like hide object, placeholder text, uh, tooltips. They've expanded. So to me, uh, and I forgot to mention filter portals. To me, this is one of the most, the beginning of one of the most impressive, uh, the most important changes on how FileMaker works is getting stuff out of managed database out of the schema level when it doesn't need to be there, when it's only layout level. Let's put the calculation layout so we don't have to have schema level stuff that's only used on one layout.
0: Right. Well let me just shock you, John. So are you sitting down?
1: Uh no, I always stand up.
0: I hundred percent agree with you. Conditional formatting is an amazing function.
1: Well no, that that happens every once in a while. It's
0: I know it happens more often than not, but
1: well, I now you you misread me. You you misread me for a second before you go on. I didn't think it was an amazing feature. Okay. I think that's an amazing beginning. I like the idea behind the feature. I don't use it often, but tell us why you think it's an amazing feature.
0: Well, I use it first of all to draw attention to a field that needs entering. I don't like forcing users to putting validation on fields, forcing them to enter information. I think that's clunky and ugly. So I'd rather use conditional formatting to make a field that I want them to enter red, a red background if there's nothing entered into it. So it just draws their eye to it. Uh, Conditional formatting can draw attention to something. If you have a, uh, one example where we use conditional formatting is one of my projects, um, analyzes test results from fuel samples and if the results are good the field shows in green if they're average it shows in orange with white text and if they're bad and tension needs to be shown, that shows in white with red with white text so the user can the viewer can just look at that and go oh boy we've got a problem here or no these results are fantastic so those are just some examples but I find conditional formatting incredibly useful. I use it a lot and I understand there's an overhead to it, but the advantages outweigh the disadvantages by a huge factor.
1: Yeah. So I think, I think that we, I might agree with you more on this because I, I don't like validation, which is why some of the things you're doing, you're not validating and annoying the person. You're just simply turning it red. It's a softer, gentler way of telling people that something's wrong. Correct. So I hate validation. I avoid it. So that's why I don't use conditional formatting that way. The one way that I use it, I think you'll agree with this, is on reports. Okay. So let's say there's a report that's summarizing all kinds of information. I think we talked about this with Darren Terry in the last podcast, but i went wrong. You can go ahead and, and change you know, the summary values to different colors if they're above or below what they need to be. Um, so you can draw attention in a report, very cool stuff. I do that a lot. I just don't use it on data entry layouts that much. Um, not like you do, but again, every developer is different. Sure. Okay, so let's move on. 9.0 auto resize conditional formattings again. A lot of features are in there, but tell us your one that changed the way your life in FileMaker worked.
0: Hide object when?
1: Well hide object doesn't come till later, but <laughs> you gotta wait for that one.
0: No, it's in uh no, you said didn't you say um FileMaker 9 had hide object, placeholder text and filter portals?
1: No. No. I wish it did. FileMaker 16 is where hide object came in.
0: Oh, really? Well, okay.
1: Yeah. Okay. No, I'm saying in, in the notes, if you're reading them, that it paved the way for these features.
0: Oh, okay. I'm Yeah, I misunderstood that. Okay. Got it.
1: No worries. No worries. It's, it said, you know, the clarification is always good. So, um, yeah, for sure. So FileMaker Pro 10.0. The one thing that came out that I have a love hate relationship with, and there's two items in here I want to mention, but the one I have a love hate relationship with is script triggers. So I'm going to tell you a little story back when I worked at Claris in technical support. 3.0, if I remember correctly, had just been released, and 4.0 was on the horizon. And they queried all of tech support to ask them if you had script triggers. And they, I think they helped us out with some ideas, which will be most useful to you. So again, remember, this is back in just after 3.0 that they're talking about script triggers, but they didn't get introduced till 10.0 because honestly, there's a lot of complexity to making a script trigger work. And I don't think people understand that. For instance, let's say that you want a script trigger that exits a field. On exit, seems simple, right? But there are many ways to exit a field so you can in a list view click to another record right versus tabbing to another field in those two situations you're on different records if you're tabbing from field to field your on object exit seems simple but when you consider that you're clicking into another record when do you run the script trigger does it run before or after the event if it runs after the event then it's running on the next record, and that's not a good thing. So that's why they have pre- and post-script triggers, and there was a lot of thought that went into these. But despite all the thought and how useful they are, I avoid them like the plague. The reason is because I've had too many situations where I've had a bunch of script triggers on there all firing at the same time, and some will cancel each other out in some way or shape or form. And so I try to avoid them in using things like auto-enters instead, or who knows what I might use to get around it. But I think script triggers are a major feature. I think they're important. I think they're well thought out. I think that they need to be there. But I think my point is I need to make sure that people understand that don't abuse them. I see so many people on the forums, hey, I want to do a script trigger to do that. Well, Why don't you just use an auto-enter calc, or why don't you use a validation? Oh, I didn't know I could do that. Right people go right to the the sexy feature right the script trigger and they can do some amazing things but my point is going to be they're they can be risky and I don't know if you have any opinions about that do you use script triggers a lot Michael
0: I use them a lot yeah absolutely but I'm very careful about not you know using too many script triggers and you know making sure that that I'm achieving the object the objective that I want to achieve without causing something else to break. It's like everything else. You've got to be careful about what you're doing and pay attention to it. And sure, you know, you can make mistakes, but I've always said that as a file maker developer and in life, we learn nothing from success. We only learn from failure. So it's when things go wrong that we start looking at going, well, what the hell happened? And, uh, Script triggers are just another example of that. It's the same with context. You've just got to understand it and work with it until you're com- completely comfortable with it.
1: Yeah, what I'm what I'm saying is, don't be a one-trick pony. Use the whole gamut of features, and script triggers just is one of those that solves a problem, but it shouldn't, in my opinion, be used unless you've already exhausted all other features. And if you want to read about an example of it, which I'm not going to go into here, I wrote an article on the philosophy of filemaker.com that is called the Trigger Tightrope. And it goes into a very detailed explanation of how it caused me, uh, you know, a couple hours of work because I couldn't figure out what was going on because the script debugger wouldn't tell me I and mean, it goes on and on. It ended up being a script trigger interfering with the script I was trying to run. And so, you know, you just got to watch out about them. Kind of like handling a knife. You know, you need to know how to handle a knife. Well, a script trigger is a knife as as is any most features in FileMaker.
0: Well, if you ever need lessons on how to handle a knife, John, I'm the guy.
1: Well, I would probably use it to stab you in the back, so. Uh,
0: Yeah, but you have to get behind somebody before you can stab them in the back.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Anyhow, so let's talk about the second feature in 10.0 that I think has changed the way that we program, and that's custom menus. I use them on every single solution I create simply to make the menus more in tune with the solution rather than it saying records at the top, I wanted to say customers. And rather than saying go to record whatever, I say go to customer. And that's one way I use them. And I also just block out features um that i don't want you know I'll of course use security and don't confuse security with custom menus you have to first block the feature through security and then what i do with custom menus is remove them so they don't have to see well why is that dimmed on the menus i don't understand why can't i use that you know why why can't i use replace field content so uh, it's important to make sure that uh, you understand what they do but custom menus for me make a solution so much easier in fact i all my navigation on all my solutions is always done from a menu And the reason for that is that I don't have to put any buttons on the layout. I don't have to, you know, if the navigation changes, I don't have to go to every layout and say, okay, let's change that. I just have it in the menu and it's navigation. It just takes me from one place to other. And if I want to change it, I change one place It makes my solutions so much easier to program. Plus I get keyboard commands. So there's so many things I do with custom menus. I don't know if you believe in them or not. I'm sure I'm feeling that you don't believe in them.
0: No, I I think they I think they're actually very useful, John. I would say that I don't use them very often. And that where I have used them I found them incredibly useful, but I've also I also find that they're a little bit complicated and easy to get wrong and unintuitive and blah 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 blah. So I I'm not in love with them as much as you are for sure, but I definitely see the benefits. Certain times,
1: well, I program them once, put them in my template, and then base all my solutions off that. So it it gets pretty easy to work with it once I've worked out all the kinks. I can't disagree that there's a little complexity to them, but the benefits outweigh that complexity. Okay, we're moving a little bit quicker now, and you'll notice that you know a lot of features were really established in early versions of FileMaker that you may not have realized, um, and there's not as many. Earth-shattering, life-changing features from our perspective in the newer version. So we're going to move on to FileMaker 11.0, and I only have one listed here that's changed my programming life, which is Execute SQL. If you haven't used Execute SQL, it's really simple and yet complex, which I'm sure uh, you know. Michael have a bunch to say about, and I won't disagree with him, But what Execute SQL can let you do is query a database a table, without a relationship. That's incredibly powerful. Let's take, for instance, let's say you had a preferences feature where preferences might play into a whole bunch of different layouts. You know, your invoices layout, your customers layout, this layout, that layout, this, you know, any kind of tables that you might have. You might need to go and find out what the preference is before you do something. Well, to do it without execute SQL, you have to make a relationship and a table occurrence from every place where you want to access that preference, and you're using an account name to figure out which preference you want, you know which record to look at. With Execute SQL, I can simply put in who the current user is, the account name, and query that table from wherever I want and unclutter managed Database. In fact, that's why Execute SQL was introduced solely to unclutter managed Database. And so I use it all the time, very simply. I know some people use it more complex, and I'm suggesting that just a simple query you know, a line, and I copy and paste it from a template and modify it to meet my needs. And it sometimes takes me a couple of minutes to get it right because, you know, it, it uh, it's so easy to make a mistake. You know, you can put a comment or not spell something right. And you, you really are not used to that in FileMaker because FileMakers, you know, pop up a menu, choose a layout. You know, there's no spelling involved. So it's a little more complex, but, man, the things you can do with it, um, when I need it, it's it's unbelievably powerful.
0: Well, I I also use it. Uh, I like it. It's very powerful, but it's very, very, very frustrating because you can think you've got the calculation right. You, you, And then it doesn't work. And you look at another one and it does exactly the same thing. And it does work. And you go, what the heck is going on? And I was talking to a young guy who. Is very familiar with the sort of the high-end programming languages and JavaScript and all of that stuff, and he said it's the one thing in FileMaker that drives him to distraction because it's so inconsistent, and I don't know why it is, um, but it is incredibly powerful if you use it sparingly. You don't want to be using it all the time, and you don't want to be a one-trick pony as I've seen some people be with it. But if you want to just,
1: I've absolutely seen what you're talking about. Execute SQL one-trick ponies, no doubt about it. They're all over the forums.
0: Oh. oh, just horrendous! Absolutely horrendous use. One of the reasons, one of the ways I like to use it is when I go to a record, for example. Uh, you go to a customer record, and I don't want to store the value, you know, the total value of all their invoices or all their orders or all of that stuff. As you know, in calculation fields or related fields that are unstored calculations, when I go to that record, I just use a simple SQL query to grab the numbers for that particular record. So it's always up to date and there's no calculations involved. And it just fires when they get onto that record and done. And I like it for that reason.
1: Yeah, and and you don't have to know a lot about SQL. Um, Copy somebody's example and learn just enough to modify one line of code. Uh, To me, it's great for grabbing one record. So go over, find a single record, pull the value back. And that to me is the most beneficial way to use execute SQL. Gathering a bunch of records together. I don't use it for that too often. I have used it to sum up a filtered portal before, which is kind of nice, but that's about the extent of it. And so if you're if you've never used execute SQL, you know, try playing around with some of the examples on the databasepros.com website. There's specifically one called preferences which I think will open your eyes to what you can do.
0: Yeah, send me a link to that article, John, and I'll put it in the um in the notes for the podcast.
1: But don't use it for everything. Execute SQL is good for certain jobs, not every job, but it really changed my way I program. It's one of those things that, one of those tools on my belt that I have there, and I go, is this the right job for it? Well, let me try this tool. No, okay, yeah, execute SQL is the best one here. You got to go through the advantages and disadvantages of what you're trying to do and what you're going to be adding as far as schema. And the great thing about execute SQL is you don't have to add anything in. You just have to write that code and it works. It's, it's pretty cool. Okay, the next version was FileMaker Pro 12.0. And they introduced the modern theme. They actually introduced themes back in FileMaker 10, but I consider them only usable once they got to 12. And that's really what you're using these days is the modern themes. And to me, it changed my whole life. Like before that, I would have all these graphics. I use Legos. And one of the things that FileMaker is cool about is that if you put the same graphic in there multiple times, it only stores it once. So I would make these little Legos where I could build interfaces. It would have borders and and buttons would come in three pieces and I could put them together any size I wanted, had tabs the same way, and i put all that stuff. And it was the best thing you had at that point. But now with themes, well, before themes, I would say to a client, yeah, I usually spend about 50% of the time on interface, uh, you know, even though I'm using templates, I have to rearrange stuff and the buttons are hard to work with. Now, with themes, even if you're just using the built-in themes, just using what comes with FileMaker, it makes your life in interface land so much easier. I, I can't uh, say enough about them. They, they change the way I program FileMaker. I, I can spend more time on features rather than interface.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I have a theory about themes. When FileMaker introduced them, back in Farmaker 10. I think the objective was to allow even the most horrendously bad graphic designer to produce a Farmaker solution that looked decent. Because you and I have both seen some Farmaker solutions and we go, Oh my God, what was the person thinking when he put fifty colours on a layout or there were some absolutely horrendous interface designs, and themes prevented that, which in turn was a very smart move for filemaker because a lot of people would see something that somebody had done who didn't know what they were doing or had no sense of design or style, and go, "Oh my God, that's revolting! I'm not even going to look any further than that, no matter how good the coding, the work it was." if it looked bad they wouldn't go any further with it so themes were i think they were released for that purpose and that purpose only but of course now we have themes that you can develop your own custom theme you can set your colors and everything and store every object as a as static and then if you want to make a change to the entire theme you just change one object and it flows through every single place that that object that style was used and it's so you can reskin an entire solution from blue to green in 30 seconds it's incredibly powerful
1: yeah i think filemaker pro 12.0 is right about where heather winkle came in who made all those interfaces for themes Um, and she's no longer with uh, clarice um and there's a lot of politics involved in that it's a big loss for them but that's why i think themes changed at that point because she made them more than what they were in 10.0 and they made them really viable so uh great great feature if you're not using i still see a few people not using themes they're still using the old way you, you got to use themes and if you it, if you say you don't like one of the themes that's built in, then go buy one from somebody who's selling them out on the market. There are themes being sold out there. But it's even not that difficult to make your own. So, okay. FileMaker Pro 13. Couple of features. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I said 16 was the version that Hide Object came in. I apologize. I was wrong. I was looking at the number on the on the outline was 16. But it's FileMaker Pro 13 that Hide Object came out in. And man, I, I think we're both gonna agree it's one of our favorite features.
0: Oh, it's definitely.
1: I mean, being able to hide something, like here's some common examples that that hopefully will sell you. There's so many unique ways you can use it for your particular solution, but let's say you're on a portal and you got that blank row showing on the last row. Do you want to delete button on there? No, you don't. So all you do is say hide object. If the primary key is empty then don't show the button. So it disappears on the last row. I use it in every single portal I do, as long as they, of course, have the, you know, add record in the relationship turned on. So there's that blank row. Unbelievable. You have some good examples of hide object.
0: Well, I use uh, use that, but also in talking about the same portal where you're adding records, typically on the empty row that's ready to be created. I've only got one field that is showing with a placeholder text and until they, so it doesn't look like a portal row until they type something in and the moment they type something in and exit the field all the other fields show up and then there's an empty single field on the next row. So I use that a lot because it it just eliminates confusion and a lot of what we do as developers is to make it make it easy for the users to understand what's going on because the interface is as I've used this many times it's like the tip of an iceberg you is that the third that the user sees that's above the surface the rest of it, the two thirds is hidden below where we developers see it and so it's really important to present the user with something that is just very straightforward and very simple and very obvious
1: yeah it's your job to realize i I think it's your job to realize that that filemaker the 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 person who's using it doesn't need to know the whole filemaker in order to use your solution and so if you can guide them more easily and make the interface less busy less noisy in any way will help them to have a peaceful zen-like relationship with your solution.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for me, the interface has always been the most important part of the project because if if you can prevent provide the users with an interface that makes them go, wow, I want to use this, you've sold them on it. Whereas if they've got an interface, they go, oh, God, I hate the look of that. You They're gonna resist you and fight you and sometimes even sabotage it, and I've seen that happen too.
1: Oh, I couldn't agree with that more That is completely true. I've seen the sabotage I've seen it before. People just won't use the database they'll they'll resist it, and I don't blame them
0: yep, yep, I don't either, but I do love hide object when
1: oh yeah, hide object, I mean we couldn't talk about it enough to to give it credit um it's just it's a super feature. Just watch out about putting too many relationships inside the the calculations to determine what to do because I've seen that slow things down. But if you're using basic things like one of my favorite ones is get window mode equals one. Hide the object when you're in fine mode. A lot of buttons don't need to be in fine mode. Hide them. That has very little overhead. But if you're checking across a relationship or maybe a couple of relationships and doing that on a bunch of different buttons, or objects on that layout, it can start to add up because it has to check that relationship when that object comes on the screen. And so it could make displaying it, in other words, navigating from record to record slow. So you know, don't use uh, you know, things, basically don't use relationships if possible inside of a hide object. And you'll, you should be good with you know, a tremendous amount of, of objects being hidden and showing uh, whenever you want.
0: Shall I tell you the way I like to use hide object most? Well, when, you're present, when the user is being presented with a series of value lists that has a set of values, whether that's a pop-up list, a drop-down menu, or a checkbox, or whatever it is, uh, and you want them to allow them to select it, but only select the value once. So I have two copies of the same field. One is hidden and one is not, and one that is hidden oh sorry the first one shows all the values and when you make the selection it builds a list of all the ones you've already used and the second object uses the same relationship except that it omits or it's not equal to the list of primary keys that you're gathering from the selections you make now filters the list down so that as you select items, they immediately disappear from the list of next time you make a selection. So if that relationship is empty or invalid because there are no primary keys being stored, in other words, no selections are made, you see the first value list. And if there are selections made, you see the second value list. And they sit one on top of the other. User is never aware that there are two fields, two value lists. And it's phenomenal, and it eliminates any possibility that users can make the mistake.
1: Yeah, I've, lo- I've used that stacking technique for a lot of things. You know, only showing one of the fields in the stack with a different value list. It's it's incredibly. Sometimes you don't have to use conditional uh, hierarchical menus. Sometimes you can just do things with with stacked fields and hide object. It all depends on what you're trying to do and what you're trying to accomplish. But yeah, they're just it's just. There's so much you can do with hide object. It changed. I mean, I remember back in the FileMaker 3.0 days uh, about hiding objects. You had to use a relationship, a portal, and a calculation to get something to hide. Um, So it would clutter everything up. It was crazy. So um, having this really nice and neat way to hide uh, objects, I I can't say enough about it. Just use it to your heart's content because it's going to make your interfaces look really good. Yep. So the other thing in FileMaker 13, which is maybe not quite as sexy, but I think deserves a tremendous amount of credit and change the way I develop FileMaker is popovers. The reason they changed it for me is I can do something very quickly and easily in a popover that I would have normally have had to use, let's say a show custom dialogue or another layout or something else, I can just simply draw a little popover button, and I can put whatever I want in there. So I can hide things that aren't necessary to necessarily see, like, think of it as a tab control, but different, you know, I can put more stuff in an area and stuff I don't see see that much, or maybe I'll do in a report. And I want to have some, you know, a button that's a popover and it pops up and says, Hey, how do you want this report to be displayed? You know, you want it to search on this. Do you want to do, you could do so many things without having, you know, to make another layout. And that's really what you had to do before then you had to, you had to open up a window, uh, put it on top, and we're not talking about card windows. We'll get to those soon. That's in FileMaker 16. I know you're you're thinking, why don't we just use card windows? But popovers are, are pretty cool compared to card windows if you don't need all that functionality the card windows have because they're much, much easier to program and certainly much better than what we had before, which is opening up a, a new window and, and using global fields in that window and then dismissing. Popover just makes my life so much easier. Uh, I don't know if you use them that often at all or Michael?
0: Um, I don't. I have a bit of a love-hate relationship with popovers. I love them. I love the functionality. What I find very irritating, which is why I hate them, is that they have a tendency to just close on you. And you didn't make an obvious click somewhere. The popover just closed and you have to click on it again. But they are a very useful tool. Um, where A lot of the time where I use them is I've build a help system into um, into my solutions. And there is a, a button that toggles help on or off. And it simply sets a global field with a value of one. And if the global field is one, the help system is on. And then all of the popovers that contain information about the relevant fields show up next to those fields. So they can click on it and see what that field does or how to use it. And then when they click help off, they disappear. So I like them for that, but I'm using them in conjunction with hide object when.
1: Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, and you can use them a lot or a little. I think the key here is that features come in, in groups. And so popovers, uh, uh, window cards, layouts, and there might be another feature in there somewhere that uh, maybe even a tooltip. Kind of all cross over a little bit, and they can each be used in different situations. And I use all of them: tooltips, popovers, window cards. I still, in fact, will pop up a window on the screen sometimes. Um, you know, I, I use all those methods, and I think that's an important thing that I've always tried to tell uh, my students: is that you've got a tool belt. Don't just go to the same tool all the time. Use all the different tools, and use them when they make sense.
0: Yeah. In other words, don't take a knife to a gunfight right
1: (laughs) okay filemaker pro 14 this is where i got really mad at claris and then i got really happy again because i understood what they did so in filemaker pro 14 they took away the filemaker pro 3.0 scripting engine essentially it was no more find a script on the, on the, on the left-hand side, double-click on it moves it in. It was now you had to type it in. I'm like, who the heck thought of this? Um, and But once you got used to it, oh my God, it changed my life. If I have to go back to uh, a version of Fowler before 14, it drives me crazy. I, I have to find everything over on the left side. I can use the type ahead and it kind of goes down that script step, but, you know, I can't type, you know, the whole entire thing. It's so much better the way that the scripting workspace works now uh, with the ability to type in your scripts. I, ca- I can't say enough. It's 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 changed my life, made my productivity go way up.
0: I agree, 100%. Did,
1: did you have the same uh, reaction when it first came out as I did or – Uh, to
0: be honest i don't remember john um obviously it was something new and we had to get to grips with it and get used to it but i don't remember feeling annoyed that they'd done it i just thought this is interesting and i think i got along just went along with it but i can understand the degrees of frustration i mean there's often things that happen but overall it's a great improvement
1: well i think what happened it was so traumatic to you that you just blocked out the whole experience that that would be my explanation
0: yeah I, <laughs> I i can think of several other instances in my life where i've done that
1: okay and now i've skipped filemaker pro 15 because i didn't see anything on there i thought was worth mentioning so that's all filemaker 15 gets sorry filemaker 15 i'm sure there was something for somebody but not for us but on to i think this might be your number one feature which is card windows so i'm just going to sit back and enjoy the ride and you let us know why card windows is influential
0: well there's a lot of reasons and i will say that when they first came out i was very unimpressed with them i just didn't really see the 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 benefit of them I thought yeah it's interesting but I can't see me ever using that but what I've come to realize is that the card window is an incredibly useful tool and typically and I'm going to talk about Nautilus again because this is what I do all my development in nowadays when I use card windows I don't open a card window in the center of the screen like most people I move it, put a card window either completely overlaying the original screen so that they can't, they don't aware that it's a new window or I balance it on the left hand side on the right hand side. So it just is an element that pops up on the screen to use. And the thing I love about card windows is there's no menu bar, there's no border. It's just a plain empty window. That you can put anything in it and have that be in context or out of context. And I think that that is probably, up until FileMaker 19 with JavaScript, I think it's the most significant advance in FileMaker for many, many, many years.
1: I, I think I had the same reaction as you, is that I thought, card window, whoop-dee-dee. And then as time went on, I discovered how it was better than a lot of the other features out there. And I in a solution I'm developing right now, I use it extensively to allow people to drill down without opening up a new window. I just they simply drill down inside of a card window. So they and I don't open it up to fill the whole window. i, I It's usually smaller and I dim out the background. And I like it because it it allows people to go somewhere without opening a brand new window right? Not having two windows open. I mean, essentially there are two windows open, but it's part of the existing window. So people can drill down, but feel comfortable that they're still in the same place. They go, oh, I'm still where I was because I can see it dimmed out in the background. And as soon as they're done with that, they're back where they started from. And so I think the interface... Elements of the card window are phenomenal, uh, and and so that we don't get all these windows open all over the place because people have dr- been drilling down with Go to Related Record, we're actually staying within the same window, and I, I really like that a lot. But it took me took me a little bit of time to get used to repro re, re changing the way I programmed, and that's you know it definitely changed the way I programmed for sure. I always consider now card windows are on my tool belt for sure.
0: Yeah, well, one of the ways that I really love using card windows again we're still with nautilus is i'm going to open I'm in the invoices module and I want to look at an invoice well I open that invoice on the right hand side of the screen and I give the ability for the user to zoom in which will go to 150 percent and make the window card window wider they zoom back out and it goes to 100 percent and narrows it but I can also let the user select a different customer or a different invoice and immediately have it refresh. And then when they finally are finished with looking at the invoices, they can print or email or do whatever they want. They just close it and they're right back to where they were still in exactly the same record they were looking at. And they've gone all over the world in the meantime. So it's just, for me, that's a phenomenal ability to, allow them to remain in context without without disrupting their workflow.
1: Yeah, I think that's an important thing that both of us agree on, even though we're using card windows differently, is that taking the person away from where they currently are to a different layout is confusing. That's why some people want that back button, right? And I try to say, well, we can design databases differently without using a back button. We can just make it so that you're never that far away. Like tabs allow you to do the same thing. You don't have to go to a different layout. You simply are, are switching to another tab on the same layout. And, and you want to try to not confuse people. And by switching the context, what's there, it is terribly disconcerting until they get really used to your solution. Why not make it easy for them to understand? And card windows can really do that well.
0: Yeah, it's it's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant.
1: Right. But both of us on record said that we didn't think they were that great when they first came out. So,
0: <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I was very underwhelmed. I was as underwhelmed with card windows as I was with the first version of FileMaker Go. Right. Which I thought was a complete waste of time.
1: Which we won't have time to get into uh, the, the feature sets on FileMaker Go. I don't think it's quite as interesting, but anyhow. No, not at all. Now we're going to skip FileMaker 17 and somebody might say, well, there are some really important features for me. Like I think somebody can make a case for master detail layout. I don't think it's earth shattering. I'm not going to, we're not going to cover it here. There are some other features like multiple email attachments and things like that. And yeah, it may have changed a small area of your programming, but it's nothing like a card window feature that just opened up program. So we'll move on to FileMaker pro 18. And I'm going to start with a feature that people are probably going to laugh at me about. But being able to nudge objects 10 points or pixels, whatever you want to call them these days, FileMaker calls them points. Nudging 10 points at a time with the arrow keys by holding on the shift key has changed the way I develop. It seems so inconsequential, but for me, be able to move something on a, a plane. Like if you grab an object, and try to move it with the mouse. Chances are it's not going to go straight across. It's going to go a little up, and then you're going to try to correct it. Being able to just go shift arrow, 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 real quick to move it across the plane uh, vertically or horizontally in one direction changed changed everything entirely for me. I can see you're underwhelmed.
0: I, I do. I think it's uh, I think it's wonderful. I do forget to use it. Oh, you do. Okay. <laughs> I haven't got it in my, you know, intrinsic memory, but I will now make a point of remembering it and using it more. But it is a, a great thing. Just a lot, lot less work.
1: Absolutely. But that's all you have to say about it. it. Just, it just makes it makes it easier to move an object if you're doing it. I used to do it before with just the regular arrow keys, right? And i just, I would, I would like hold my finger down on the arrow keys and then take a sip of my water or my coffee, whatever I did, look back and it would be where I wanted it to be. <laughs> um, but anyhow, probably not everybody's favorite feature, but that for me changed how I programmed FileMaker. But I think one that people are also going to disagree with in FileMaker 18, and there's a lot of people who say that 17 and 18 were, were kind of minor upgrades and there wasn't anything to grab onto. But I think when you start looking at it and look at this feature, you're going to realize how important this was. They added a feature in FileMaker 18 called save a copy as XML. And it's kind of like the DDR, except it's a new grammar. It's 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 differently formatted and put together. And what it supports is the ability, and it didn't do it back then, but it supports the ability essentially to recreate a FileMaker file from XML. And so the way they introduced it in FileMaker 18 is to compare two versions of a, a solution. So if you wanted to find out what did I changed from this version to this version, you could save a copy as XML, open them up in something like editor or something else that allows you to compare two different files. It would show you all the places where there are changes. Now in FileMaker 19, they're taking it even further. In fact, if you notice, they kind of silently mentioned this FileMaker upgrade tool. And it allows you to copy the schema from one file to another file. So get all the new features in there. And that's incredibly useful because you can take and update a customer solution without having to import all the data. Sure, the data migration tool is still useful and you can still, it works really great in some situations, but this app upgrade tool that uses what they put into FileMaker 18, but wasn't really released till 19 to the public. And even then it was really quiet about it is incredible and uses that technology that was built into FileMaker 18 that basically essentially takes and XML and describes a FileMaker file in it. And they're going to take it farther and farther and farther. And I think you're going to see some amazing things in the future with this feature.
0: Yeah, I think it is exciting. I mean, right now it's, very programmatically complex to use um and somebody's going to have to write a wrapper. mark write a wrapper um quickly but it does open up some very interesting um potentials especially when we're doing development on a solution on a production and a, then a, moving it over to a real useful uh, development environment. They're moving into a production. So yeah, its potential is enormous. It's only going to be interesting to see where it goes.
1: Yeah. Even Claire's could do some wrappers too, right? It doesn't have to be a third party, like a productive computing. Um, But I think the, the, the structures there, the basis is there and they're going to use it in all kinds of different ways, even ways we didn't imagine. So it could be pretty cool stuff.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Now let's move on to the final version filemaker 19 that's the current version as we're recording oh is that the latest one yeah i I know right it was i i i I was thought it was funny when we were talking to darren he's like i don't know anything about filemaker 19 i haven't touched it um and because he's up to his his eyeballs and work you know he doesn't have time to look at this stuff um and it really doesn't offer a, a ton of stuff when you think about the history of filemaker and that's one of the things we're trying to do we're trying to say look Set fields has been here since version 3.0. You're all the way in version 19. You know FileMaker 3.0. You know a lot about how FileMaker 19 works already because those features have been there all along. So new versions don't add a lot to the big giant cauldron of features that FileMaker has. And so, you know, you got to keep up with them, but realize that a lot of these features, you know, really... Um, you know, uh, have been there for a long time and, and have, have, you know, made FileMaker what it is today. And and knowing this history, man, I, I, hopefully this has put it in perspective for a lot of people, but they're still adding on and there's still major features. So let's talk about FileMaker 19 and what's major. The first one I would say is the quick layout change. If you're not using it, it's amazing. You're able to hit a keyboard command and pull up a little spotlight-like typing thing that you can type into. It'll list all the layouts below and you can quickly change. I don't know how many times I've gone into the layout menu or I've gone into manage layouts and they've gone It you know, it's been so cumbersome to find what layout I want. I know the name. It just makes it so much faster. And since you're switching layouts so much when you're developing, this is unbelievable as far as the amount of time it's going to save you. So how do you feel about quick layout change have you used it much yet Michael? I
0: haven't used it much um just because I'm with Nautilus I'm only working on one layout so I don't need to use it um very often but it is phenomenal and uh yeah I like it a lot.
1: Yeah I, I haven't I I like you said with the with the um nudging objects, you haven't put it into your, your habitual, you know, thought process. And I haven't done that with the quick layout change, but I love the idea about it. And one of these days, I'm going to get that keyboard command set to memory. So the only way I change layouts is that way. But we'll see. Well, you know, there's still a place for managed layouts, you know, especially since you can open up a new window and, and get that layout in there. So it's useful. But I think a lot of developers cried about this. And that's why this feature came out. And I think a lot of people are extremely happy about it. Right. Let's talk about the final big one in FileMaker 19 that's really not there yet. It is and it isn't. Um, And they publicly announced all this stuff. We're not revealing any trade secrets. But essentially, what they added in FileMaker 19 was the ability to integrate JavaScript in a web viewer with FileMaker. And that takes in the form of two features. One is the perform JavaScript in web viewer script step. And the FileMaker.performscript JavaScript function. So one goes inside the web viewer inside of, you know, whatever code you're putting in there, the JavaScript code, and one's in FileMaker, and that allows them to communicate back and forth. Now, you could do that before with, uh, you know, uh, with uh, things, uh, you know, workarounds, and we won't get into them. But now they've really incorporated right into FileMaker and made it a feature. And what they weren't able to release in FileMaker 19, which they probably will release in a few months, uh, you can't say for sure, but they have announced it, is these add ons that use JavaScript. So the one that excites me the most that I've seen is being able to drag a calendar from the side, you know, one of the sidebars in FileMaker onto your screen. It makes all the scripts, all the tables, all the fields, all the JavaScript. The web viewer, everything. And what you have when you go into browse mode after like a couple of seconds is a draggable calendar, something you can't do in FileMaker. You can't drag and drop. But now what you can do is you can drag and drop inside that web viewer. And the JavaScript tells FileMaker to update the FileMaker table. So you, you've got the best of both worlds. you got your good old FileMaker tables, but you have an interface you couldn't possibly create in FileMaker. So For me, this is just going to change the way FileMaker people program. And I think you mentioned it before, you're already using JavaScript integration without the add-ons, but you have to have a little bit of knowledge to do that. But it's still, it's changing the way you, how you do things, right?
0: Well, it's it's changing. Not only is it changing the way we're going to do things, but it's also going to change the way we think about doing things. And this is one of those... um, It's going to be a slow burn, and I don't expect to see anything really dramatic for six months to a year. But I think by the end of that period, we're going to see some monumental um, stuff that will just blow everybody's mind and will take FileMaker into the stratosphere. But I will. um, I just need to correct you. Drag and drop is possible in FileMaker natively. Uh, Andy Persons came up with a very clever technique many, many years ago to to drag and drop objects from one portal to another. And so it is possible, but it's not simple. And
1: Right. Clever means complicated.
0: Clever means complicated, and uh, Andy's one of the cleverest guys on the round. So he oh, came no up with that, and it was just phenomenal. But now it's going to be commonplace.
1: The point, but I think in the future you're going to see a lot more solutions have these JavaScript add-ons because they're going to make it so accessible to people. So if people are unsure about how releases are coming now, they were a year every year before, but now they're going to come every quarter. I don't know what they're going to call the next version. Is it going to be 19.1 or or still called 19 or you know how they're going to do that? But we know that that this feature, these JavaScript add-ons, because there's add-ons already. But these JavaScript add-ons will be integrated into whatever they call it uh, soon. It's even on their website. They talk about, you know, all the things they're going to do with JavaScript add-ons, which is, to me, giving what FileMaker needs the most. The people who like FileMaker the most are the subject matter experts. They're not programmers. So being able to give the, put them in touch with JavaScript and take advantage of it without having to know JavaScript, that to me is, you know, extreme power.
0: Yeah, for sure. But I I don't know whether you're aware of this. Um, John Sindelar of Seed Code, they've released their Seed Code calendar, Dayback calendar, which is absolutely incredible. And it's all, I think mostly is JavaScript anyway. They've released that as an add on already. So you can just simply add that into your solution right now.
1: Yeah, DB Services uh, showed uh, a video on how to make your own add-on. And it's certainly not ready for prime time, which is why FileMaker never publicly announced that you could make your own add-ons. It's crazy what they have to do, and that's what... Cindlar had to do it over, over at Seed Code. And and but the great thing is you don't have to do it now because he made the add-on and and their calendar is unbelievable. And, and if you if you want to license that, go for it. it. It would be you won't be disappointed with what they did.
0: I'm integrating into this other solution, this solution I'm working on with JavaScript, and I'm gonna drop that in very soon, and it's gonna be absolutely stunning.
1: Yeah. Couldn't 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 agree more. His stuff is spot on. And so just about anything he does, if it, if it uh, meets your needs, get it. I, I I couldn't recommend his products more.
0: And he's also one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet.
1: Yeah. I haven't talked to him that much, um, but I haven't been going to the developer conference in probably about 10 years. So I miss a chance to meet a lot of these people, but I, I got old and, and decided I like staying home better. So <laughs> <laughs> you're laughing because you're the same way.
0: Uh, no, I'm older.
1: <laughs> yeah, you, so you've been staying at, long, at home longer than me.
0: <laughs> well, yeah.
1: Anyhow, so that's it. That's all the history. Uh, I'm sure we missed some features. Let us know about it in the comments section, and we'll be glad to, uh, you know, it'll be there on the comments. I mean, uh, you know, I don't know that we can do another podcast with all the features, but we do like to hear from you guys, and and we do appreciate your comments
0: yeah if we if there's enough material we'll do and we'll discuss it for sure absolutely
1: that's true and you never know what's going to come out about from your comments. It might trigger something for us to do a whole podcast, which what you talked about is just a part of it, so who knows
0: exactly, exactly well, uh John, it's been great fun talking to you as always, and to all our listeners, thanks again for listening. Please comment, please write, please tell us how you like it. We'd love to hear from you, and we are really grateful that you keep listening. I'm Michael Rashard, signing off.
1: And my name is John Mark Osborne. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you in the next podcast.
0: Take care. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Fireside FileMaker, a podcast with John Mark Osborne and Michael Rashard. We'd love to hear what you think, so please email us at info at That's info at firesidefilemaker.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.